Praise the Lord. Who's the happiest person in church today? Hallelujah. It's good to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. So, so thankful for what God is doing at New Harvest Church. Amen. Some good things that are happening around here. Uh, just let me take a moment and give you a couple quick anointed announcements just so that you can know where we're at. Uh, how, many don't, how many know that, not, not this coming week, it's, but the following week, uh, March the 22nd through the 26th, is our week of prayer and fasting. How many are eating all you can right now? Just eating all you can right now, getting ready for it. But that, we're going to take that whole week. We're going to fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Of course, you can jump in there, whatever best fits your schedule. But as a corporate fast, we're just trying to hold everybody as tight as we can. We'll just go from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. And then every night that week, we're going to be having prayer meeting. We're going to be having a prayer service. So we just want you to come out. We're just going to be praying. We're going to be fasting. And just going to be declaring what we're hearing God say. How many know that? Let me just say this real quick. How many know that fasting doesn't move God? That's not the purpose of fasting. You don't fast to, like, twist God's arm to get him to do something for you. But what fasting does is it moves us into the heartbeat of God. It tunes our spirit up. We become more sensitized to the things of God so we can hear what God is saying and what God is doing. And we're able to respond in a whole better manner. So that's why we're going to be fasting. We're going to be listening and hearing what God has to say. And then we're going to be declaring things on that week of prayer time. It's just going to be an amazing time together. Now, the one thing that we did do, we changed our prayer time for just that week only. Normally, our prayer time on Tuesday nights is from 6 to 7. But we changed it. We're going to go from 6.30 to 7.30. That will give you time to get off work or whatever you got going on. Maybe you can get here. You don't have to come dressed up, whatever. Just wear some clothes. Just just. Just make sure, make sure you got something on, and uh, just just come up in here, and we're just going to worship the Lord, and we're going to celebrate, and then on that Friday night, we're going to have a night of worship. Amen. Got three of us. On that Friday night, we're going to have a night of worship. Got four. I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more cooperation here. I, I know y'all got things to do like watch TV and, you know, cookouts and all that, but we're just bombarding the heavenlies. Because we believe God has a plan for this region. Amen. So that's going to be happening. So we just want to encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, it's just, we're just going, it's only an hour. We're just pressing into the things of God. We can say a lot. We can pray a lot in an hour. Amen. So just make sure you write that on your calendar. This coming Tuesday, I know this is spring break coming up. But since we got a whole week next, the following week, we're not going to be having prayer meeting this Tuesday night. So it won't be happening this coming Tuesday night. So there won't be anything on the schedule for that. But the following week on that Monday, we'll kick it off. So it's going to be a great time. Amen. And I was given a note here, and I'll make sure I get it right. Uh, Pastor Grace gave it to me. We need eggs and candy for Easter. Eggs and candy. So I think it's the, like the fake Easter eggs, right? We don't need real eggs. <laughs> if you do, at least boil them and bring them. Just boil them and bring them. But, but we, need, uh, we need a bag of eggs and a bag of candy. If everybody could just bring that, we'll have more than enough because Easter Sunday morning, our children's church department out there is going to be just having an Easter egg hunt. And so they're just going to have a wonderful time out there with that. So you can help us out by bringing that. It's going to be an amazing time. I'm getting all kind. Of, I quit playing baseball a long time ago. I'm not stealing none. It's pre-wrapped candy. Individually wrapped. No chocolate. What the heck is Easter all about? It ain't going to have no chocolate. <laughs> Can't get no chocolate bunny. Just bring hard candy and make sure it's wrapped. 
Anyway, I'm the world's worst for announcements, so you don't want to pick on me for that. But that's going to be, and Easter Sunday's coming up. It's only three weeks away. We're going to have an amazing service that day. We've got special music, special things that are going to be programmed into that. It's just going to be a wonderful time together as we come, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesse mentioned that a while ago. We're going to be bringing in our resurrection seat offering. And we're just going to, how many believe we can just go over the top this year with our resurrection seat offering? Amen. Amen. So we're going to believe God for those things. We're going to have a great time. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, won't you stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning? I'm going to jump right back into here, kind of where we left off last, well, a couple weeks ago now. I want to go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. So glad that you're here today. Glad that you made it this morning. I've got more time to preach today because my watch says 10 o'clock. So I, <laughs> I said, oh, God. But um, this is that tired Sunday. This is the tired Sunday because everybody lost an hour of sleep, and we feel it, right? But we're going to work with this thing today, and we're going to bust it up a little bit. I was telling uh, uh, Brother Wayne and those guys and Jeff and those guys in the green room earlier, you know, years ago, many, many, many years ago, the time zones, when they changed, it used to be on Sunday night. But people started showing up to work late, wasn't coming in to work, had bad production when they got to work. So they said, we're just going to roll that on the church. We're going to change it to Saturday night and let that just affect the church. So that by, by the time they get adjusted on Sunday, they'll be ready for Monday. Why don't we just break that up? Why don't we just get adjusted and just say, you know what? We're going to just bust that thing up. We're not going to be tired. Amen. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Just reading a, a few verses of scripture here, and then we're going to go back into 2 Kings. Matthew 12, verse number uh, 43. This is Jesus speaking. He says, now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places. One translation says dry places. Seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in, and they live there, and the first state of that man becomes worse, or the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. And this is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Notice that when the unclean spirit goes out and it comes back, it inspects the house that it left. And if that house is not filled with something, it's going to bring some friends with it. And, and, and the, the last state of that is going to be worse than the first because it's going to be seven times more wicked. Now look with me in 2 Kings. Just, this is kind of where we left off a couple of weeks ago. 2 Kings chapter 2, just a little few verses here, verse number 19, it says, then the, men, then the men of the city said to Elisha, 
Behold, now the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. One translation says it's barren. And he said, bring me a new jar. Somebody shout a new jar. And he said, put some salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went out to the spring of water, and he threw some salt in it, and he said, thus says the Lord, I have purified or healed these waters. There shall not be from there death nor unfruitfulness any longer. So the waters have been purified. Same word for healed. So the waters have been healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. I'm using this particular passage of Scripture. I'm using water as in the moving of a spirit. The city is all right. It's just contaminated with a bad spirit. Nothing wrong with the land. The land is good. It's just got a bad flow. It's just got a bad flow of the spirit. So he said, I just want something new. Bring me something new. Bring me some new jars. Bring me some new vessels. This is what I heard the Lord say a couple of weeks ago in some prayer time. He said, I'm about to do some new things. And there's going to be a new outpouring. That's the title of our message. There's going to be some new outpourings. How many are ready for some new outpourings? I mean, just for an overflow, Holy Ghost, can't explain it. God just did it. He just showed up the way he does and just released his power. I just believe that this city, this region, this land, this territory is about to sense and see and receive a new outpouring of the Holy Ghost like we have never had before. How many can just shout amen right there? That's what is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So let me just pray for you. So, Father, this morning, I thank you today. Holy Spirit, you are the preacher, the teacher, you're the communicator. Holy Spirit, you're the revelator. You're the revealer of all truth. I thank you today for what you're going to do in hearts and lives in this place today. Thank you for those that have tuned in on Facebook, those that are listening, those that will hear it later. Thank you for those that are listening by radio. Lord, we just thank you this morning that lives are going to forever be touched and impacted by the power of your word. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do advance. Lord, your credit is so good. We praise you in advance because of what you're going to do in this place and in our hearts. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. Now, in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen, amen, and amen. Come on, somebody shout amen real loud one time. Amen, amen, amen. Let me just kind of back up just for a moment and just catch you up to speed on where I'm going because I, I really trying to, I'm trying to draw a little bit of a timeline and a map here to say what God is saying so that we can be prepared for what God is doing. In our opening text that we just read in Matthew, the interesting to me about that particular passage of Scripture, though it's, um, it's accurately dealing with an individual for deliverance, Jesus ends that phrase. He's not just talking about a man. He ends that phrase, and he says, and this is the way it will be in this evil generation, implying that not only do people have the potential to be harassed by evil, seducing spirits, but an entire generation can be harassed by seducing spirits. And in our text today, Jesus is relating to a generation of people and the condition of a nation 
within that particular generation. How many of you know today that every nation and every generation has a corporate destiny? And we as individuals, not only do we give stewardship to our personal destiny, we are called as the body of Christ to give stewardship to the corporate destiny, what God is saying in our generation, what God is doing in our generation. So we're called to give stewardship to those things that we've been entrusted to. I mean, you know that you got to give stewardship to your life, to your gifts, your calling, your abilities. You have to give proper stewardship to that because that begins to expand the kingdom of God. But there's also another level of stewardship that relates to the corporate flow, what God wants to do in a city. How many know that one-on-one, I know you're bad by yourself, one-on-one you can cast out devils? But if you're going to uproot principalities and powers, governing spirits, it's going to take a body. Jesus came to this planet without measure of the anointing. He, there was no, he, he, was, he was unlimited in the anointing. You and I have the anointing with limitations. But whenever we come together, I bring my measure, you bring your measure, they bring their measure, then we become the body and we become without measure. And that's what it takes to uproot governing principalities and powers. It takes a corporate movement to come into a land, to come into a territory and tell the devil, that's it, that's enough, you ain't operating like that up in here. Amen? So, so, so that means that you and I have not arrived by accident. We didn't just show up here by accident. We didn't just show up on the timetable of God by accident. You may have been a uh-oh with your mom and dad, but you wouldn't a uh-oh with God. <laughs> your mom and dad may not have planned you, but God did. God formed you and fashioned you before the foundations of the world. He knew what color eyes you would have. He knew what color skin tone you would have. He knew what day you would be born. He knew what hour you would be born. And he knew who you would be born to. So you're not an accident in the eyes of God. So people can put a label on you, but God says, that's my chosen ones. So we understand that, that, that when you understand that we have a destiny to fulfill, you begin to take on the measure of God with a different kind of understanding because God wants to do something in our day. God wants to do something in our generation. I don't want to just go through the motions of Christianity and just kind of live my life and just kind of go through them. Like, remember the old commercial, getting up and making the donuts? I don't just want to live my life like that, mundane and boring, when I know there's a purpose, there's a predestined plan on why God has chosen us. Have you ever wondered why God pulled us all together anyway? I mean, we all come from different walks of life, different backgrounds. We all got different hang-ups and different mess-ups. But God somehow orchestrated us to come together for such a time as this so that we could do something powerful for him in our generation. So I've discovered that over the years that uh, if we're not careful, many times it's easy to get stuck with a particular mentality that will keep you satisfied with the status quo. Without a doubt, just working this out just for a moment, we're going to preach it in a minute, but without a doubt, Everybody in here has been raised and affected by the culture through a collective conscience. That collective conscience was operating in the culture when you were born. You were born into a particular 
school of thought. You were born into an ideology, whether it came through your parents, it came through the culture that you were in, but you were born into a culture that had its own ideology. You were born into a system that had its own way of doing things. You were born into a school of thought that was already in action, that was already full of activity whenever you got here. And that environment that you were born into began to shape your life. That environment that you were born into, that school of thought, helped shape the way you believe. And ultimately, it gives prediction and it fosters your behavior. You were born into a school of thought that causes you to believe the way you believe. And because you believe that way, you behave that way. <laughs> Got three amens over here. The rest of y'all, wake up. The alarm clock has gone off. <laughs> you were born into a, a way of thinking. Now, here's the, when you became born again, you got transferred out of a school of thought into a different school of thought. The Bible says you were transferred out of the domain of darkness and into his marvelous light. Light means revelation. You were born into a different kind of information system. You were born into a new way of thinking. So, so now that you have the mind of Christ, now that you have the ability to think on a different level, why is it that the body of Christ is struggling with what we've been called out of, what we are prone to go back to when we have been predestined through the sovereignty of God to do something in our life and to do something on this planet that is so significant that it will leave the world scratching their heads and saying, how in the world did they do that? Push on somebody and tell them there's going to be a new outpouring now. There's going to be a new outpouring. I make this point. I'm trying to get somewhere. I make this point because there's an urgency in my spirit as it relates to the Western church and its need to regain its spirituality. There's this urgency, and I, I don't know if you feel it, but I feel this urgency stirring in me for the Western church as a whole to regain its spirituality. Because my concern has been, and I've been preaching this now for many years, but my concern is that we are on the verge of losing a generation because the church has become, now these are my words, you can't find it on Google, the church has become de-churchified. The church has become dull in its hunger. It no longer has an appetite for the things of God. Our diet has changed. And God is trying to birth a movement through his people. God is trying to release new things in his people. But because our appetite hasn't changed, because we have the same hunger level 
for what we were brought out of, that God can't put something new in us because he can't find us at the new address because we're always gravitating back to an old address. I'm going to help somebody in a minute if you'll just keep tracking. So, so, so we have this, this dullness in, this, in the church. Now, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. The, the world can't do nothing until the church gets something. The world's going to be in trouble until the church gets empowered. And so, 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 so the, 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 the answer for the world is not a better government, although we need good government. I'm, 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 Y'all know we preached on all that. We, we, we need right government, and, you know, we got some jacked-up stuff going on now. But, but, but the answer to that is not just a better government. The answer to that is a fully empowered body of people who understand that I have been put on this planet for such a time as this, and God has positioned me by his sovereign will into the territory in which I am now standing, not so that I can just get through the day, not so that I can just make a little bit of money and buy another house or a better car. It's so that I can get through my generation and leave such a significant spiritual deposit that when people begin to see the moves of God, they're going to say, what must I do to be saved? Amen. So, 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 so. Isaiah prophesied it, and then Jesus comes along in Matthew 13, 14, and he begins to reiterate it. Guys, this is not on the screen yet. I just wrote this down a while ago. Jesus begins to reiterate it, what Isaiah had prophesied. He said, you keep on hearing, but you don't understand. You keep on seeing, but you don't perceive. For your heart has become dull. Jesus said, you hear it, but you don't get it. You see it, but you don't receive it. It's because your heart, one translation says your heart has wax cold. There, there, there comes a time in the body of Christ. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I don't want to offend nobody too early on this morning, but, but there comes a time in the body of Christ where the expression of your praise the expression of your worship is an identification of where you're at in your heart. If your heart is not tracking with God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reflect on your body. It's going to reflect in your countenance. I don't know how any church in America cannot just come to church. If God don't do another thing, how come we can't just come to church and say, God, I thank you for the land that I live. I thank you that I'm not being persecuted. I thank you that I'm not being drugged off to jail. So whenever we come into a house like this where there's freedom to give worship, there's freedom to praise, there's freedom to pray, we ought to just come in this place and bust the roof off of this house because we believe we have been given such an assignment to make a difference I got about half of y'all clapping the rest of y'all are part of the problem I know look at your neighbor because oh he ain't talking to me he's talking to you only in America do we dumb the gospel down to the way we want it <laughs> only in America do we make praising God the way we want to praise him? Because after all, we're independent, right? That's what Jesse was talking about. After all, we, we, we got this independence about us rather than dependence. I don't know about you, but I am grateful for what God has done in my life. 
Had it not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. I might be on crack. I might be strung out on drugs. But had it not been for the Lord on my side, God stepped in the middle of my trouble. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And I can't just sit there and act like I got it all together. I know you're smart. I know you got a degree. I know you know how to say it. But do you know how to walk it? Do you know how to live it? Do you know how to express it? Amen. There's got to, there's got to be this. Listen, we, we ever, how, now watch this. Watch, you're going to get 100%, 100%, 100%. How many want to move of God? Oh, oh, let me do it this way. Whoever wants a move of God in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your children, in your workplace, ever, whoever wants a move of God, throw your hand up right now. 100%. 100%. Now, how many want to be distinct enough to have a move of God? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. That's all right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You got people that are sitting beside you that are a little scared. A little scared. <laughs> I ain't scared. Yeah, you are. Because... You can't change your ideology. You can't change your school of thought. Because you're smart. You're intelligent. And we've dumbed the gospel down to how smart we are. Ladies and gentlemen, the gospel goes beyond your intellect. Because you can be the smartest person on the planet and have cancer and still die. You can be the smartest person on the planet and make millions of dollars and still go broke. You can be the most loving family in the universe but still have a child that goes crazy. And what, what, what won't fix that is another, is another session, more money, maybe another doctor's visit. Because there are some things that doctors can't do. There's some things that money won't do. And there's some things that people can't help you with. It's going to take a dependence on him. And if you don't know how to give him praise now, what are you going to do when all hell breaks loose over your life? Amen. Push on somebody. Tell them new outpourings, new outpourings, new outpourings. Let me, let me hurry before we get too sidetracked here. So, so, so we have now, now I'm just, I'm just working it here because I'm just trying to bring it to a point. We now have in the Western culture, in America mainly, churches that no longer look like churches. Churches that no longer sound like churches. Churches that no longer act like a church. Churches no longer, that no longer work like a church. You know the biggest the biggest deficit in the body of Christ in America in the church is the spirit of volunteerism. Because what? We don't have time. I ain't got time to, you got time to do what you want to do. Let me check, Mike, Mike, check, one, two. How come it is we got time to do what we want to do, but we struggle with doing what God wants us to do? Because it comes back down to stewardship. How I many you know that everybody in this room has the same amount of time every single day? 
you got 24 hours a day, and you got the same number of days as everybody else in this room. You only got seven days a week. What you do with your time is not on God, that's on you. Amen. So we have churches that don't act like church. We have churches that don't work like a church. And we have churches that don't even preach like a church. Because after all, we don't want to offend nobody. <laughs> I want everybody to be happy. Everybody, everybody needs to be happy so we dumb down our messages so that everybody walks out of here with a motivational speech. But you're walking out of here with the same stuff that you came in here with because there's no anointing to break it. There's no power in the room to uproot it. So most, most times people come into a church service and it feels like a funeral service. And then most of the church is full of Christians. <laughs> Can you help me, bro? If it's full of believers who have a different level of information system, it ought to dawn on us every now and then, you know what, I ought to, I ought to respond to the level of my anointing. I ought to act on the level of my anointing. For preachers, we ought to preach on the level of our anointing. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for these two sections, three sections right here. There's a struggle going on right here in the spirit. It's like the demon of dumbness have done shut your mouth up. We're going to have to deal with that now in a minute. We're going we're to have a, a two-for-one sale on demons, casting two out for the price of one. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be a blue light demon special for sale right here. <laughs> Somebody said, I ain't coming back if you're going to see. He's singling me out. Yeah, single. Again, that's part of the problem. Because, because we, we got preachers that are standing in the pulpit that are more concerned about nickels and noses than about chains breaking off of people's lives. Amen. So we got all this going on in our Western culture, and we've lost the foundational aspects concerning spirituality. And therefore, we're unable to deal with the spiritual problems that are facing us today. They're at hand right now. And I point this out to you because there are some things in your life that cannot be fixed with a calculator. There are some things in your life that's not going to be fixed with a new app on your phone. <laughs> there are some things in your life that another TikTok video can't help. All the young people shout amen right there. The old people saying, what, TikTok, tic-tac, tic-tac-toe, what are we talking about? There are some things in your life that one more like on Facebook ain't going to help you. There are some things in your life that even self-help programs or the arm of the flesh can help you with. Hmm. Let me show you a scripture. This will be on the screen for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, somebody shout warfare. That's what you're involved in. There's a warfare over your life. I mean, you know that casual Christians become casualties. You just, you just, well, I'm just going through life, you know, whatever, whatever, case of rock, case of rock. You're a target. You're a target. Because the weapons of our warfare 
They are not of the flesh. We, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Watch this. To the pulling down, watch this word, strongholds. Now, let me give you a working definition for strongholds. We're going to preach it out in a minute. I just want to show it to you. Strongholds are the arrogant, rebellious ideas and attitudes that opposes the will of God. That's what a stronghold is. There are arguments that's against the true knowledge of God. That's what a stronghold is. Strongholds are not demons. Strongholds are the place of occupation. Strongholds is where demons live that influence people to make wrong decisions. So, so, so the way you deal with a stronghold, it goes on to say if we read it, you have to learn how to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You got to take every school of thought captive. You got to take every ideology captive. You got to take every weapon of the enemy that was perpetrated on you when you were born, which was a thought process. It was a pattern. It was a system. You were born into a system that was hostile to God. And when you come into the kingdom of God, in order to live victoriously, you got to learn how to take those thoughts captive. Bring it into subjection. Bring it under the authority of his Christ. And when you bring it under the authority of Christ, now you have the ability to make godly decisions based on the information that you are receiving from heaven. And you don't let those schools of thought dictate your behavior, dictate your attitude, dictate how you're going to live. Because when God wants to do something new, he don't need to be looking for you at an old place, at an old address, trying to get something new to you, and you ain't being where you're supposed to be. Push on somebody and tell them new outpourings. So, so, so watch this now. So we are called. We are called to destroy. That, that's what those strongholds are. They're, they're arguments of the mind. They're the reasoning of your mind. We are called to destroy that reasoning, that system of thought that's opposed to the things of God. You know why I don't cheat on my wife? And that's not to say that I'm not susceptible. I'm not saying that. The reason why I don't cheat on my wife? Want to know why? Okay, you don't want to know why? Because I'm scared of her. No. <laughs> and that's probably true too. She'll claw my eyeballs out and then shoot me. She's a pretty good shot. I don't cheat on my wife because when thoughts come, don't act all holy on me. All you men sitting out there like, I don't ever think about that. You are lying coon dog right there. That's what you are. You are lying. You are lying. You know you think about it. And the reason why it takes root is because you dwell on it. And, it, and, it, and it, you dwell on it long enough, now it becomes a school of thought. It becomes a paradigm. It, comes, it becomes a way of thinking. And, it's, and, and, and then it becomes a way of believing. And your behavior is the result of the way you believe. So when you have those thoughts that come into your mind, you got to bring it captive. You know why I don't cuss people out? Because I don't have cuss in me. Now, I know that's a, that's a, that's, we're treading where angels dare not tread in the church because there's a lot of cussing Christians out there. I know. A lot of cussing Christians. I, I, I know. we got a lot of cussing preachers. 
And I'm not saying cussing is going to put you in hell. It's just going to make you sound like you've been there. The reason why I don't cuss is because it ain't that I don't get the urge. I got an urge right now. <laughs> but you bring it into captivity. reason why you don't beat somebody up, though they deserve it, is because you got self-control. You know what self-control is? It's the fruit of the Spirit. So anybody who's not operating in the fruit of the Spirit, then I have to wonder, what fruit are you operating from? What vine are you living on? Amen. Somebody shout new outpourings. It's going to get better. So we have all this going on. Because for now we have a generation being raised, watch me now, in something that is neutral. And the concept of church life has become more therapeutic, more moralistic and self-centered than it is Christ-centered. Because after all, how can we be happy? <laughs> I thought he called us to be holy. And we have lost the basic foundational aspects concerning spiritual or spirituality and therefore we're unable to deal with the problems that are in front of us because we don't take control of those strongholds. Here's another working definition. This won't be on the screen for you, but we have to argue down those reasons and those arguments. Strongholds are those destructive patterns, destructive patterns of thought what a stronghold is. It's the destructive patterns of thought that lead people astray and hold them hostage to sinful, harmful, and addictive behaviors. That's what a stronghold is. This will be on the screen for you. Satan's strategy is to block the knowledge or the application of God's word in the thinking of believers so that they stay held hostage by his lies. Everything the devil does is a lie. He's Beelzebub, the father of lies. So addictive behavior, now just let me work this out. I'm about ready to preach in a minute. Addictive behavior is not the stronghold. It's just the fruit of the stronghold. The behavior is the result of how you really believe something. When you find a believer whose behavior has not changed, and they've been in church for 10 years, and they still hung up on that same behavior, it's because the enemy has built a stronghold. With a, with, a, with a garrison, a wall of lies that keep them held hostage in the lie that they believe versus the truth that God has declared. And so they stay held bondage. That's why as a believer, that we, the, does not the Bible say we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength? There's no such thing as a believer moving in and falling back, moving. You ain't on no roller coaster ride. We should be excelling in the things of God. 
when you surrender your heart to God and you allow God to put his hand on you, you don't go back to a struggle that you had 10 years ago when you became born again. You have bypassed that. You have uprooted that stronghold. You don't think like that no more. You don't act like that no more. You don't behave like that no more because I don't believe like that no more. So God's trying to get these new outpourings. So we have to realize that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And if you're not careful, we got some real good deceiving spirits that are operating in this generation. There was a day that they were hidden, subtle. Now it's in your face. I just read, Pastor Corey showed it to me the other day, and I read it again yesterday. California has this new educational law that they're about to pass where they're going to teach kids how to chant to an Aztec Indian child-sacrificing God. Going to teach your four- and five-year-old how to chant to a God that sacrifices children. There was a day when it was subtle. Now it says we're going to come out and we're going to teach your kids about it. Yeah. And you know what we do as believers? We just, like a lamb led to the slaughter, we just feed them into that system. And we think, well, they'll be all right. They'll outgrow it. No, they won't because it, it, it creates a school of thought that gets embedded into their mind so that it becomes a stronghold. Now it's going to take a real developed mind. It's going to take a renewed mind. It's going to take a move of the Holy Spirit to move in that child's life, to uproot that stronghold so that he can tear down those vain imaginations because if not, he'll start operating on it. You, you, know, why, you know why we got teenagers killing other teenagers for shoes and uh, $150 pair of shoes, where do they get that value system from? That's a value system. Why, do, why are teenagers killing another teenager over shoes? It's not because they just want their shoe. It's a value system because you know what we did in America? We unleashed the spirit of abortion in America where we say it's all right to kill a baby. We don't care nothing about it. Just take a baby because we don't want you to be inconvenient. So we released the spirit of murder over our land, and we wonder why our kids are killing kids. It's because we have not taken the responsibility and say, no, that's wrong. That's illegal. That's against God. Come on, push on somebody. Tell them it's going to be a new outpouring. I'm going to get to my point here in a minute. So Jesus said, Jesus said, well, let me just see. see. When a generation lives under that same mentality, when it lives under that school of thought, we can't be delivered from it because we keep calling it normal. It's just normal. <laughs> That's the normal. No, it's not normal. It's normal in your world. And you know what? The, 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 the smallest world, how's it go? The biggest world that you'll ever live in? No, the smallest world. It's a small world. The smallest world that you'll ever live in is the one that you're the center of. So if the world just revolves around you, <laughs> I feel y'all's pressure right here, but I'm going to preach anyway. Then I'm going to leave here and go to the woods. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be fine. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. So, so you got all these things that we call normal. We call sin normal. 
We call homosexuality norm. Watch, it's coming. They're going to make bestiality normal. It's already happening. They're trying to make pedophilia normal because there's so many in Washington engaged in it. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I came here to preach anyway. There's so many in Hollywood that's engaged in it. I want to tell you something. Hollywood is not the answer for the world. I don't care how much money you have, how much money you can make. I don't care what you say and what you, listen, Meghan Markle is not my antidote. Prince Harry is not my antidote. Oprah Winfrey is not my antidote. Talk to me up in here. I'm trying to say we have to get to understand just because the world calls it normal, that doesn't mean it's normal. And the only thing that we can combat, the only reason why we need to combat it is because there's got to be a distinction. There has to be a body. There has to be a church that says, no, that ain't the way of the Savior. That ain't the way of the cross. So the church has to be so distinct that, that when they look on us, they call us crazy. They've lost their mind. They're not like us. They are a peculiar bunch of people. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said it this way, when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it's looking for some waterless places. It's looking for a dry place to land. The best way to keep yourself from a seducing, unclean spirit is to keep your life in a place that's not dry. Can I tell you what? One of the answers to this region is a church that will not be dry. It's a church that will not become waterless. It's a church that understands we've got the dew of heaven. we got the flow of the spirit. we got the moving of the waters. That's why whenever we gather, we ought to shake the walls with such a praise because we know there's something moving between the chairs, between the aisles, down the pew section. We ought to know that there's such a movement of God among us that people on the outside begin to look on the inside and they say there's something happening in that place and what must I do to be a part of what God is doing in the earth I'm preaching harder than you're shouting but I won't keep working it unclean spirits are looking for dry places places where there's no water places where there's no refreshing Places where there's no springs or no fresh anointing, no rain of God's presence, no new outpouring. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm, tired. I'm just tired of looking at born-again believers look like they've been baptized upside down in lemon juice. I'm looking for a believer that understands I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost. There's power on the inside of me. I'm not making it through life. I am walking through life. I am casting out devils, overthrowing principalities and powers. Woo! Don't preach in a minute. Hang on. See, the principle, the principle is that unclean spirits work in dry places. <laughs> when you get dry, dusty, I use this word, I put it in there. When you get antiquated, unclean spirits has a way of getting a hold of you. When there's no flow of the Holy Spirit. When there's no washing of the word. Well, is church all that important? I am the church. No, you need to be sitting under the word. You don't just read your Bible and say, well, I've got all I got. I got the word. No, you need to be sitting under the word. You need to be sitting in the place where your train of thought has been compromised by the word of God. 
You need to be sitting under the authority of preaching and teaching so that the mindset of your own mind don't wander back to a place that you've been delivered from so that you stay free from that stronghold. And that ain't to pump me out or nothing like that. I'm just saying most Christians are not listening to preaching all the time. Now, there's a few radical people in here that do. They pump it in their brain 24 hours or 7. I get that. But for the most people, we ain't thinking about preaching until we get to church. We ain't thinking about what God is saying until we get to church. We ain't worried about worshiping God until we get to church. But I'm trying to tell you, if you want a new move, if you want a new outpouring, there's got to be this setting under the word. I don't need all that. You're the very one we do it for. <laughs> I don't need all that. I'm an I'm a introvert. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I could take every one of y'all and find out what your passion is and put you in front of that passion and let something exciting happen in that passion and you are no longer an introvert. You know what it is? You got to break out. Because a school of thought has kept you down way too long. Somebody said, well, is all that worship and praise and dancing and shouting, is all that necessary? Only if you've ever been bound. Only if you've ever been in trouble. If you ain't ever been bound, if you ain't ever been in trouble, if you ain't ever had a hard time, if you ain't ever had a struggle, then it probably ain't for you. You and Jesus, we ought to call your name out. <laughs> Somebody said, man, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Pastor Karen, what would you do? Did you, like, make him mad before you got to church today? <laughs> Unclean spirits are looking for these dry places where there's no flow. Nothing wrong with the city that flows off. Nothing wrong with the city. The city will do what it's called to do, but there's a spirit in it that's got to be dealt with. When there's no flow of the Holy Ghost, when there's no washing of the word, when there's no flowing streams, those spirits get attached. We got people right now. There's evangelicals right now. They wrote. They wrote a letter and did this thing over the weekend, maybe a day or two before the weekend. They're mad at the presidency, evangelicals, because they voted for him thinking that he was going to be open about the abortion bill. Now they're mad because they feel betrayed. The article said they're hurt. They're hurt. Well, you voted for him. You put somebody there who is proven, a known liar, proven the worst administration when it comes to pro-life that has ever existed on this planet, and now you're hurt? I knew that would be a stretch for some of y'all, but I'm trying to show you it's an ideology it's a mentality because you think you can make a deal with the devil and you're going to come out on top. Any deal you make with the devil, you lose. You don't deal with the devil. You cast it out in the name of Jesus. 
You don't deal with, you don't handshake with an evil spirit. You don't handshake with seducing spirits. You don't compromise with seducing spirits. You take authority over it in the name of Jesus and you bind its grip. You bind its power and you let it go in the name of Jesus. Yeah. See, they, they, they get attached. We get attached to dry places. Spirits do. Spirits get attached to dry places because they won't rest. They won't rest. That's what Jesus said. They, they look for a place to rest because spirits don't want to be bothered. Evil spirits don't want to be disturbed. There, there's, there's a story in Mark chapter 1. Jesus comes into the synagogue, and this unclean spirit begins to cry out of a man. And he begins to cry out to Jesus. The King James says, he begins to say, leave us alone. Let us alone. One translation says, have you come to torment us before our time? Have you come to deal with us? Why are you here? You know why they're saying leave us alone? Because they don't want to be bothered. Because an unclean spirit recognizes the authority of Christ. And when the authority of Christ walks into a room, those spirits begin to cry out, leave us alone. Don't mess with us. Can I tell you, we are here to disturb the rest of the devil. We are here to make the devil. We are here to give him the biggest headache, the biggest nightmare this planet has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh. It's the cry of every devil. Leave us alone. Let us hide. Let us just push the agenda. But don't show up, because if you show up, we recognize authority. If you show up, both of us cannot occupy the same place at the same time. If, if you show up, one of us has to go. Hmm? You ever raise children? You're acting like a devil. <laughs> Can't have that in my house. Some of you wives, you ever said that to your husband? You the devil. You ain't going to act like that in my house. You ain't going to bring your party spirit up in my house. You ain't going to bring your drinking buddies up in my house. Huh? Because they can't occupy it if you're there. It's a wondering. I'm wondering. How does the devil have so much power when we're here? How is the devil running roughshod over our land when we are said to be an 80% Christian nation? You know why? Because our school of thought is off. Because we've allowed strongholds to take root and we believe a certain way. And because we believe a certain way, we behave a certain way. Amen, preacher, home preacher. <clears throat> there was a day in our nation when struggles and trouble came that the church knew how to handle it. As a boy growing up, I can remember my mom. When struggle would hit our house, trouble would hit our house, finances, whatever it was. I can remember my mom walking to the house praying in the Holy Ghost. Started binding stuff. Like, I thought she was crazy when I was 12. I think she's a hero now that I'm 55. Because she kept stuff out of my life. 
Karen and I were dating in high school. We'd come. You know, Karen's just a little older than me, just a little older. Karen had to drive me around. <laughs> she saw me over there in children's church and says, I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kind of cute. Come here, boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to pay for that one right there. Oh my. Who wants to go to lunch with me today? <laughs> now, she's just a little older. But I can remember, I remember she, you know, she, she dropped me off at the house. I didn't have a car. She did. She had a, I don't even know what year it was. It had to be maybe in the 70s. That black LTD had a 360 in it. Glass pipes and a hole. <laughs> Had black on the outside, red interior. Built for love. <laughs> she, she dropped me off at the house. It's like my mom had this internal instinct. I mean, we had to be home at a certain time. We didn't just show up when we wanted to because I lived under authority. You ain't going to walk up in this house at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're going to come home. When I tell you to come home, that's what you're going to live in my house. You're going to follow my rules. That's the way it was. And if you don't like it, then just pack your bags and go live anywhere you want to live. But you're going to follow my rules. <laughs> I know we got to negotiate with our kids today. I know, I know, I know, I know. Everything's negotiable with our kids. Okay, because now our kids are our best friends. That's the problem with the generation. We became their friends rather than their parent. We bled out our authority because now we want to befriend them because we don't want them not to like us. So now they're struggling with authority figures. Oh, Lord, y'all got me going down the wrong path here. Talking about the velvet love machine. This is what I'm trying to get to. And we drive up in the driveway. I mean, we went in there like 30 seconds. Lights, come on. Outside lights, come on. They ain't been on all night. They come on. Boom, boom. Floodlight, boom. Just like. And I think my mom was praying the whole time while we were out. Having sex? <laughs> she inspected our cars, didn't she? Sure did. What's that rag in there for? Y'all way too sophisticated for me. Y'all way too sophisticated for me. You know what? She put some boundaries on my life. Not only did I have the fear of God, but I had the fear of Cherry Eileen Pelham. And you know what? She prayed us through dating to the point that when Karen and I got married, we dated for four years in high school. When we got married, we were both virgins. Yeah. What'd she do? She prayed us. She prayed us through. I know some of y'all know, it's not, it's not right to say you're a virgin. You got, you, got, you got to try it before you buy it. I know, we, we're living in a crazy day, but that's the problem with a messed up society. That's the reason why we got a jacked up generation, because we don't have parents that will know how to pray somebody through. We don't have parents that will stick their nose in the fight and say, not on my territory. 
There was a day, there was a day when the church knew how to pray. There was a day when the church knew how to fast. There was a day, I just mentioned fasting a while ago, and half of y'all say, I ain't going to do all that. That's the problem, because there was a day when the church called for a fast, we would change heaven and earth. We would do whatever we would do, and we would offer up a sacrifice, and we would fast, and we would pray. We would come to a prayer meeting all night long. It didn't matter to us, because there was things that were at stake that a money app could not fix. There was things at a stake that Facebook could not help. Woo! It was a day when the church knew how to lay hands on people, cast out devils, heal the sick, birth them into the realm of the spirit where they begin to speak in other tongues. We've gotten so sophisticated, time conscience. I want to go back to the days of Paul. Paul preached for so long one day, went all through the night. The guy fell off the third story, fell asleep, fell off, boom, killed him. Paul said, that's all right. Walked over and raised him up from the dead. Don't worry if you fall asleep. Fall out of your chair. I'm going to sit there and laugh at you. <laughs> But it was a day where we become so modernized. We don't need new moves of God because we have become a God to ourselves. I don't need to follow nothing. I am something. You know what? We're training our kids. Look at every picture you see on Facebook. It's a selfie of your kids. I mean, we're so, we're so desperate, we're taking pictures of our food. Like, I don't care if you're eating at McDonald's. I could care less. Oh, look at what I got. I don't care. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's Do what you want to do. But we made it all about us. Why do you think they call it a selfie? Now our kids are growing up in a front of a camera because we're making the whole world about them. Nothing wrong with that as long as we give them balance. Let them know you don't, no, you don't have the whole world. No. No, no, there's boundaries on your life. So I'm stirred today in my spirit because I'm craving for something. I have a desire. I got grandkids. One of them sitting on the front row. He's 11 years old. He's an oldest grandson. Got six others. By the time I was 11 and 12, 13, I was seeing miracles. We got a generation of kids growing up in our midst that never even seen a miracle. When I was 11 and 12, 13 years old, I watched grown men come to the altar, lay prostrate at the altar and cry out to God. I didn't think that they were sissies. I didn't think that they were, un uh, 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 you know, like, like some off-the-wall people. I thought they were men of God. And I would watch those men pray. When I'm sitting right there in Wayne Haskell, I watched them pray. And I watched them cry out to God until their bodies would shake. 
But now we live in a day and an age where, no, it's not, no, that's not you. you. You're a man. You don't have to pray. You don't have to get on your knee. You don't have to come to an altar. You got everything. You got it all with. You got a good home. You got a good job. You got it going together. I am craving for a move of God that a new app will not help, that a calculator will not fix, and another friend on Facebook will just not satisfy what God is wanting to do in this generation. It's got to come a hunger. Got to come this thing where I need to finish. It's 12 o'clock. Come on, Pastor Port. I'm not done, but I want to stop. I, I, I ran out of time, but not anointed. I, I am looking. I felt this a couple weeks in prayer. I told you a couple weeks ago how it all started. God began to deal with my heart because I refuse. I refuse to go through life without these grandchildren and your children and your children's children. I refuse to have a church service and call it God, and they never see God move. I, I, I am not after a feel-good message. I'm not after a third therapeutic, modern-day kind of TED Talk message. I want something that when the preacher preaches, it shakes me to my core. When the preacher preaches, I feel heaven moving into the earthly realm. I want something that's when it's been coming off this pulpit, there is something in the atmosphere that's electrified with the presence of God. It's so tangible. I think I can touch it. It's so real. I think it's right there. I'm just trying to shake us up a little bit because, ladies and gentlemen, God's about to pour it out. He's about to release heaven's glory. We're about to step into a realm like we have never seen before. And it's not going to come through cosmetic Christianity. It's not going to come through some little cosmetic people that just want a little dabble, do you? Just punch in your spiritual clock. But it's going to come through a hungry people who have an appetite for the things of God. And they are saying, I refuse to be refused. And I deny the right to be denied. Come on, if you believe that, get on your feet and give God a praise. I got to quit. Come on, give him a praise one time. Come on, give him a praise. Hey. If you're visiting with us, I'm not mad. I'm just intense. I'm intense. God uses everybody their own way. That's the way God uses me. See, I'm pointing all this out in a way. Because in order for our, fl- our faith to flourish, individuals, corporate settings, churches, have to develop a climate that becomes conducive for faith to materialize. Some people in here are struggling with your weather. Weather is the result of your climate. Climate produces weather. Weather don't produce climate. You're not even in a bad season. Maybe you're just having some bad weather. I can't help but think, I, I wish I had time. I, I don't today. We'll pick it up maybe next week, however we do it. But I'll talk to you about what all that means and how it can be manifested. But a climate has to be engaged. 
It has to be engaged, first of all, foremost, through an atmosphere. Do you know when you came in here, you brought your own atmosphere? That's right. You brought your own atmosphere. If you had a bad night last night, you got a bad atmosphere right now. Unless it was preached off from you. Maybe everything went good. I mean, know that we had to set our clocks ahead. Me too. I got, a, I got an atmosphere. I'm tired. Y'all way too spiritual for me. Didn't really feel like coming today, but after all, you know, he's going to preach on me. He'll, he'll call me out if I don't think so. I don't show up. No, when the climate gets established because we press through the atmosphere, a sustained atmosphere that we press into creates a climate. Then the climate becomes conducive for whatever God wants to do. over into the realm of the spirit a couple weeks ago and I saw something in my spirit I told you I had a dream I'm not giving the dreams visions I, 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 that ain't me but I had one and I saw the activity of heaven trying to invade an earthly climate atmosphere it's time to invade the atmosphere I felt like God said if you Create the climate. Because climate is stronger than atmosphere. If the church can create a climate that's conducive for the outpouring of my spirit, it'll have it without measure. There was a day when I came to church just hoping God would do something. Well, let's be honest. How many's ever came in here with a need and just hoped God did something? I passed that a long time ago. I come into the church fully expecting That's right. God to do something. Come on. Fully. Yes. Fully. Fully. And I don't care how off we are out here, how off we may be up here, I'm not dictated. By the thermostat. That's right. That's right, Pastor. I said it. I don't care if we come in here and all we got is a banjo and a tambourine. Guess what? You're going to hear me giving God some praise. I don't care if we can't hit a note one. I don't care if nobody can pull their lines together. Remember what any song. I didn't come in here because they needed to help me. I came in here because I am a praise of God in the earth. And I came in here expecting God to move something on behalf of God's yes. people. Because you carry it. You carry the anointing. Come on, Pastor. Come on. Carry the faith of God. I, I've, been into, I've been in some dry churches. I preached in some dry churches. And I walked away and I said, oh, my God. I've been into some churches where my words, like, felt, came right out of my mouth and they hit the ground because there was no receptivity. I've done that. And I don't care. I, my wife knows that. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to do it the way I hear God tells me to do it. I don't need nobody to say amen. It helps. It don't help. It, well, let me see. It helps me on a level 
but it does more for the climate than it does for me. Because your amen is your participation. So God said, I want you to create a climate. So when people come into this climate, no matter where they are in their need level, it gets met just in my presence. That's another level. That's what I'm contending for. Because you know what? We're educated enough to teach our children whatever we want to teach them. We can teach them stories, give them Bible stories, give them books, give them curriculum. But you can't teach them God's presence. You have to demonstrate it. Yes. You have to model it. comes a time that we understand that the hour that we're living in is demanding our anointing. It's demanding something from us. Your friends, your co-workers, they don't need your ideas or opinions. They need a lifestyle governed by the power of the Holy Spirit that speaks directly to the heart of their life. And they change. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands all over this building. We're going to have to quit. It's a quick past night. Lord, we're pressing into a climate tonight, today. God, there's something in our life that we're hungry for. Food won't satisfy this hunger. Sex won't satisfy this hunger. Drugs won't satisfy this hunger. Alcohol won't satisfy this hunger. Money won't satisfy this hunger. A better business, a better home, a better car won't satisfy this hunger. More friends will not even satisfy this hunger. God, we're hungry for more of you. We're hungry for an outpouring, something fresh, something new, something that will cause us to move out of the realm of complacency. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to make a demand. Let's begin to set a climate in the realm of the Spirit. We set the climate today. We come against being lethargic. We come against being seduced by evil spirits that are rocking us to a spiritual slumber while the things of God are being activated. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on and just let a real cry. Let a real cry come up out of you today. Let something come up out of your innermost being. We're not satisfied. We're not satisfied. I want a new outpour.
from it. I'm trying to, but I can't. There's a pull on me. If you are so ready to have what I'm talking about, I mean, you are so ready to abandon everything you have and all that you are to this new outpouring where you're in, in your prayer, you say, God, I don't want another day like today. I don't want another moment like I've been in. I want this new thing that you're pouring out into the body of Christ. I mean, there's just something inside of you that's just leaping. It's burning. I mean, it's to the point that you can't even hardly contain yourself because you feel something. It's not of the flesh, it's of the spirit. You feel it. And you're saying, I want that yeah. right there. That's what I'm attaching my faith to yes. right there. I'm going to ask you on the count of three, if you would, just abandon your seat where you're at and meet me at this altar. And I just want us to press in just as a corporate body for about 30 seconds and then we're going to go. But on the count of three, I want you to run, skip, walk, whatever you do, but move to this altar. One, two, three, come on. Because we're crying out. Because we're crying out. There's got to be something different. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something unexplainable. I cannot keep explaining what I'm trying to feel, but I'm moving towards something. My faith is gravitating. My faith is gravitating towards something. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands where you're at. I know you meant it. That's why you're here. I know you mean it. That's why you're here. Come on, just begin to open up your mouth. Make a demand on something you've never had. Put a praise in your mouth like you've never had. Put a voice to your spirit like you've never felt. In the name of Jesus, 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 
to the way it was. No more to the way it's been. But I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm going to pray until something shakes. I'm going to believe until something moves. I'm going to praise until something turns. I'm going to shout until something falls. Everything in my being is at stake.
church, cry out, cry out, cry out. Hunger is arising. Hunger is arising.
our hunger. We change the climate with our desire. Fresh desire for fresh fire. Fresh desire for fresh fire, Lord. Souls are dependent on this climate. Souls are dependent on this climate. Souls are on the line. Lives are on the line for a sustained climate. So we press, we press, we press. We stir up, we stir up our hunger. We stir up our desire. Generations are on the line for our hunger. Generations are on the line for our hunger. We press for generations. We press for a city. We press for our family. Hey. This will not be a water, this place. something happening in this house. The unseen is being made visible. The untouchable
strongholds, those schools of thought, those ideologies are being snatched up. don't pull it up by its roots Jesse said it long ago the fruit is from the root when you see an orange on the tree you don't go wow you don't you can't, you can't just say wow that's a, that's a nice looking orange thank God for that tree no that orange that you see is the result of the root the root produced the fruit. And things are being uprooted. Because we're thinking on a different dimension. Thinking on a different level. Sin is present. But it's been defeated. Sin can be powerful if I yield to it. But it's nothing when I resist it. Because the greater one stands up in me. Strongholds. Thoughts. Ways of thinking. Ideologies. Ingrained. Birthed into systems. God's pulling us out of it. I didn't have time to preach all this, but Jesus walked the earth with heaven on his mind. He says, I can't do nothing unless I see my father do it. So it's no problem for him to wipe blindness out of eyes. Wipe leprosy off of people's bodies. That's my friend right there. I just, I just, that's Natalie right there. I want y'all to know that's Natalie. That's Natalie right there. What a gift from God she is. And we're just standing and believing and we're just declaring. We're agreeing with her mama and her sisters and her brother. When you hear that, that's not a disturbance. That's a miracle taking place. That's the power of God working in her life. Because this ain't a cheap religion. This ain't just to get through a church and say, oh, how can we be blessed? This is real life stuff where the power of God is present. And the power of God has come to save people. It's come to heal people. It's come to deliver people. Yes. Breaks the habits. Seasons and cycles are not the same thing. A season has an expiration date, but a cycle don't have one. And you can live in a season from season, or you can live in a cycle that never changes. Time don't break cycles. You do. And I feel like God's breaking some cycles. Oh, my Lord. 
you watch. It's going to get so ingrained in us. Y'all going gonna to fall out in the Holy Ghost drinking coffee right there while we up here trying to preach. Y'all just going to have an encounter with God right there. You have to get a mop crew just to follow you around because you keep falling and spitting and carrying on. I ain't making this stuff up. I've seen a vision. I've seen God in a way that I've never been exposed to him before. And this region is about to experience some of the greatest moves of God that we have ever seen. It ain't here yet. We're going to work on it next week, not this coming week, the following week. We're going to do a prayer and fasting. You know what we're doing? We're adjusting the climate. We're just adjusting the climate. I know some of y'all might be just too busy to come and pray and fast, but you're the reason why we have to do it. But there's going to be there's going to be an element of people here that says, you know what, you can't stop me from coming. You can't stop me from being a part of what God's going to do in the earth. I've got way too much at stake. I've got way too much at stake. And we're going to adjust that climate. A whole week of prayer, fasting. What would happen at Easter time if this place was packed? And we can't even get through a worship set before miracles start popping in people's lives. Come on, and Pastor. Just, come on. Come on. Things just start happening. I think it can happen. Yes, it can. And I don't live for miracles because I believe you live out the Christian life every day. I don't need a miracle every day to love God. But some people need a miracle to be delivered so they can love God. So we're just going to work on it. Just lift your hands. I know we're way over time. Boy, the Holy Spirit just eats y'all's time up. I try to get you out at 12. The Holy Spirit comes in right at 12.01 and takes over. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, our prayer. Don't ever let us be satisfied. May we never be content. Let that hunger deepen. Let our diet change for something more. God, we don't want to have ears and not hear. We, wanna, we don't want to just have eyes that don't see. We don't want our hearts to be dull. Don't let it be said of our generation. They had eyes, they had ears, but they had a dull heart. Don't let it be said of this generation, God. But let them write history books of the moves of God that took place in the Glades region and lives were radically transformed. Homes and families were put back together and children were restored back into the Father's love, to the Father's house. Where miracles begin to break out that those even in wheelchairs, those on mats and canes, begin to walk and leap and jump in the presence of the Lord. Tumors begin to dry up. Cancer begin to dry up. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for the new outpouring. And we give you praise. And we give you glory. And we give you honor. And Jesus, we love you with all of our hearts. We love you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I don't, 
I want to be the most grateful person in the room. I want to be the most grateful person on the planet. If God has done anything in our lives today, can you just give God a great big praise because I want to be grateful today. I want to be grateful today. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Spring break is this week. I know many of you probably got plans, whatever you need to do. There's no prayer meeting on Tuesday night, but just stay connected. We'll be on Facebook a lot. We'll let you know what's going on, and we're looking forward to coming back on Sunday. Is there youth this week? I didn't even ask you guys. There is youth Wednesday night. We do have youth Wednesday night. Youth will be going on. We keep that moving. So we love you. God will speak a blessing over your people's life. God, that you would enrich them and empower them. Make them the head and not the tail. Make them always above and not beneath. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing week in his presence. In Jesus' name.